0: Sin Media acknowledges and pays respect to the people of the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations, on whose unceded lands the Sin Studios stand. Sin extends this respect to the traditional custodians and people of the lands and waters our content reaches. It always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land.
1: I am very, very excited to finally get to sit down with um, one of Victoria's absolute sensational artist at the moment, Um, award-winning Noongar woman and nam based artist, Bumpy. Bumpy, thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: It is a very, very exciting time in the world. Um, Very, very exciting time for music. It's almost getting to award season. So I wanted to reach out and congratulate you first and foremost on being nominated for Best Soul, Funk, R&B, or Gospel Work in the 2023 Music Victoria Awards. I guess starting off there, what does what being recognised with a nomination like that mean to you?
0: Oh, it feels so amazing. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I guess it's not something that you really think about when you're writing or putting out these works about what happens on the other other side once they're out there. And to, you know, look at the people that I'm in the company of is, yeah, just really amazing. So, yeah, I'm feeling very honoured to even see my, my name up listed to those legends
1: it's a really really good list of nominations there and obviously not just to that uh category but a lot of the other categories as well but in terms of your story because i feel like a lot of those artists have different stories and um especially when it comes to first nations artists we have a lot of different stories and journeys as well what was your journey to the sound of soul uh, specifically what did you sort of listen to growing up Why, why did you want to work within this specific specific genre talk a little bit about the journey to to this genre essentially
0: yeah, So, sure. Yeah, interesting question. I guess to take it from the very beginning, you know, I grew up surrounded by singing with my family, like the guitar would always come out whenever we're all together. Um, and we just have a big jam. So it's always been a way of connection and, and sharing story and sharing song. And I think soul music does that so beautifully. And, you know, I... Um, One would always play Etta James and a lot of like those beautiful, classic, strong female voices that you really felt a lot of pain in. And I just gravitated towards that kind of expression and that really powerful, you know, the vulnerability is so powerful and it really affected me. And so, yeah, I kind of went on a big journey and and listened down further and came up and studied jazz and improv here at VCA in NARM. And um, yeah, just fell in love even further and then kind of went into the world of, you know, really going down the Erika Badu rabbit hole in Lone <laughs> Hill and looking As at... As we all do, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I guess it just one leads to the next. But I've always just been really drawn to, you know, a strong First Nations female perspective and, and how you can access those vulnerabilities, yeah, in such a powerful way.
1: That's really, really interesting to speak to that as well. Looking at so many of the great First Nations artists that are coming through at the moment, um, it's very, very exciting to hear you speak that way about the industry you're in as well. You're in a few. You got your hands in a few different uh, pots at the moment. Um, one being, much like us here, at Sin Radio as well. And you've been hosting uh, Pebbles on Triple R. Yeah. Um, do you feel community broadcasting? has um, impacted and changed your creative practice of practice when it comes to, you know, whether it be production or whether it be um, the actual art of of making it, the writing? Um, Do you feel like it's impacted the way you work as an artist?
0: Yeah, hugely. Yeah, definitely the way I work. You know, I think community radio is vital. It's the voice and the support that the people on the ground are going to get. I remember yeah, when my first song was premiered on Triple R and I just couldn't believe it. And it feels really amazing to be on that other side now and being able to kind of provide that platform to other emerging artists locally First Nations you know the diversity that we get to select who gets to be up on this platform and I think it's really nice to think about community radio because when you're writing your music and you don't have to really always think about limitations when people talk about getting it radio friendly and all that kind of thing and like oh no the song can't be over three minutes and it's like if the song wants to be like go on like (laughs) let it let it breathe and let it live in its own space that it wants to be and I think That's what's so beautiful about community radio is that they're just willing to, you know, support you exactly how your art comes and exactly how you want it to be expressed.
1: Well, I think we're going to get chatting about how you feel you've been supported within the industry later on in the interview as we go. Before we get to that sort of stage of talking about that sort of stuff, I want to quickly chat and congratulate you on the success of Morning Sun, new uh, debut EP. Um, Very, very exciting stuff. I was uh, listening to it throughout the day at work. Um, and it was really really enamored me with how unique your sound is um, to you and it feels like it speaks to your journey a lot as well you released it at the start of the year now uh, Morning Sun how, how have you felt it's been like how's it you know we're obviously almost to the end of the year now so it's almost mm-hmm. had a full year to breathe and, and be out there in the world um, How does it feel to be in that env- out in that world, and how does it feel to have that body of work that you've probably been working on for some time um, out in the open like that? Mm.
0: Yeah, um, thank you. Morning Sun is so special to me. I guess the songs have lived, you know, kind of for oh, such a different time span. There's some that have lived before I even started playing solo. And when I kind of wanted to really move into the bumpy world, I was like, oh, this song, I, I knew there was a spot for you. So, and there's some, you know, that are a lot. Um, are written a lot later um, down the track and a lot fresher. So it's really nice to kind of see the evolution of the project just reflected in this in this one piece. And I kind of really just wanted to present kind of the bubble and what it was and what it feels like right now. And also give the range of we perform, you know, live from a full band of seven or solo or a trio, which you can kind of see and hear in this little bubble. And now that it's kind of been out in the world for the year. It's just, yeah, it feels really amazing to see people connect to your stories or um, you get to hear how they share your vulnerabilities with you and it doesn't feel so scary anymore to, like, put it out. It actually, yeah, it feels like a beautiful way to connect and and, and meet new people and, and also just inspire more music as well. Um, so this year has been such a whirlwind of being like, oh, my God, like, where, how did it find all these people or, you know, how did you hear it? How did it get over there? Um, That kind of feeling of letting go of these little babies that have been in my arms for years and now <laughs> it's exciting to kind of move on and think about what's coming up next.
1: That is an exciting feeling and can't, I can't even begin to imagine. Uh, going on from that, what was the general feeling like forming the ideas for the lyrics, knowing that they were going to become something for yourself? um and into something for other other people essentially
0: yeah I guess with lyrics um it's like writing at the moment I guess it always changes and it and it will kind of evolve but writing at the moment in in the space under my solo project is very much just how I'm feeling and very much what I need to process and it I definitely access writing for Bumpy in a, like, you know, therapeutic way for myself. Mm. And it provides a space for me to talk about a lot of the feelings that I wouldn't want to just casually, you know, <laughs> pop up in conversation. Right. Of course. It's just like a way for me to feel safe um, and kind of deep dive and process and, and navigate and really feel. So yeah. Um, yeah, I guess when I'm writing, it's just something that I want to just ease into and really allow to come forward.
1: Well, I mean, the initial Bumpy Output, as you've stated, obviously felt really quite solo and different to, to previous works you've done. You, you've of course, front Squid Nebula as well. That obviously, you know, the, the solo work eventually did incorporate a band into the recording. What was that process like of bringing others into the art that starts so personal and continues to be so personal, like you just mentioned? Um having others involved in that process feels like it could be a a challenge of some sorts.
0: Yeah, definitely. I guess, yeah, bringing people into the spaces, it wasn't stuck for ages. We were just exploring different people, maybe like trying different you know drummers and different bassists and it's nothing to do with their craft even sometimes it's just that feeling of how you all feel on stage and if you kind of sync up when you're playing these songs Um, but it is something really frightening like you know as you're getting to know your band members you're like okay I think I need to tell you the story about my deepest darkest secrets (laughs) so you can (laughs) understand the song and you can give them context yeah exactly so it just feels ultra personal but you know, I think that the fact that they are so aware of what is happening personally, and then the support you feel musically, is just beyond. So I guess, yeah, it's just really getting to know each other, and also really sharing these stories together, and figuring out how we all can connect to them.
1: Mm. Mm. You've um, you've spoken in the past about wanting your music to be a safe space for people, and finding safety in the band that you have for Bumpy love to hear you touch on that a little bit more about the idea of safety in creativity and in safety in art and how how it serves you as an artist
0: yeah huge question I guess it's really important for all of us Um, it's something that I always kind of really talk to the band about about you know if we're on tour or if we're Just in our spaces, I'm always ensuring that, you know, I work with um, what artists waving at trains as a booking agent and they have an amazing diversity contract as well as a safety contract. So, you know, we they say, look, do you want to meet these standards when we go into these spaces? Or if we're booked, we expect the spaces to have this kind of context. Um, And, you know, I'm really passionate about that. I'm really passionate about cultural safety and ensuring that all of my members feel supported in whatever space, because, you know, obviously it's new spaces every time we're performing. So how do we set the standards to go, you will be safe here (laughs) and you're about to be vulnerable here. So let's make sure we're all safe.
1: Does that get cathartic at all or draining even a little bit because I imagine presenting obviously the content of the songs but also um, focusing on trying to create that safe space so I imagine be, yeah you know, either, either cathartic or draining or both maybe
0: definitely you know there's still so many spaces where a lot of these things aren't taken for they aren't considered or they aren't applied or maybe they don't understand the weight of what how it supports um different people it's a really perplexing one because you can go from a space that maybe isn't safe to share your vulnerable stories and you can go to a space where there's you know quiet green rooms and really considered um security and they allow you to bring like your family backstage and guests or yeah i think there's there's a lot of work to be done but you can definitely see that a lot of it is like bubbling away at the moment and the conversations are being had but um it's interesting how much it is on the artists to kind of push back and go hey if you want me to be booked then like i really hope we can meet these standards so everybody who's coming into this space is looked after
1: Thank you have a lot of people coming into that space, um, for instance, and especially in in this project Morning Sun, you have some incredible local musicians from the neo-soul scene jumping in for different tracks, even though it's a solo project. Do you feel like working on music by Bumpy has sort of strengthened your sense of... A community a bit more largely
0: yeah definitely it's been really nice to kind of step into my own light and look at what that means for me and who I want to yeah share those spaces with like yeah I feel very fortunate to work with my beautiful band and you know we're a big family it, it really is like very silly and goofy but we all take it really seriously you know like when we're on the stage we're there to um, share and we're there to connect and we kind of really make sure that we maintain that and talk about that because obviously there's so many influences while you're on tour and there's so many you know it's tiring but every time we get up on the stage we're there to kind of make it happen and ensure that we're doing the work and honoring honoring the music.
1: Um, I want to talk a little bit briefly just drifting away from the content of the work and some of the heavier heavier themes I'm, I'm You've got some interesting name choices for um, both your solo work and and your work with uh, Squid (laughs) Nebula as well. Um, Can we talk a little bit about the, the names and where they originate from? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. i think
1: bumpy is supposed to be a, a nickname of sorts but if, we could, if there's a story around that i'd love to hear it
0: yeah bumpy is actually just a family nickname that i've mm-hmm. had since i was really little i have older siblings as well and apparently i just used to try and keep up and go one speed so i would <laughs> run into everything from ironing boards you know car like door mirrors and door handles tables like when i was at that height I was just one speed. Um, See
1: where the work ethic comes from. Now.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny because now, you know, I still feel like I'm I'm constantly like running into things, but maybe not so much in the physical sense, but it just seemed really fitting mm. for, and you know, it's what my family call me. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, it's very funny to... Um, kind of bring that personal name into a public world.
1: <laughs> how, does that, how does that make the family feel when seeing you, like seeing you nominated for the Music Victoria Awards with that name um, or seeing you in, in, you know, Big Sound or, you know, Vivid Festival or the NGV with that name, you know, um, doing great things on radio with that name. So talk a little bit about how that makes them feel being, seeing the name that they've bestowed upon you out in the world like that.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, obviously they're so proud. Um it's so beautiful when they can come. They live in Angarna Country in Gippsland, so it's so beautiful when they can come up and um see a show. And I think, you know, they just find it funny when they're like Blamfy, like <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like that's not my birth name or something so it feels like silly for them like what is she doing up there you know like we know her we know we know the real bumpy (laughs) um but no very yeah very special I feel very lucky that they can come up and see shows and kind of yeah there's such amazing support throughout the whole the whole journey
1: and um, and Squid Nebula, you you of course front for Squid Nebula. Uh, talk a little bit about where that, how that came to be in the name itself, and um, where that came across because that's a fun one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was so silly. So they actually began as an instrumental band um, for a year. We were we were all studied together, and mm-hmm. it kind of was a project that was a bit of relief from the intensity of you know jazz theory and and yeah. that kind of thing. So. Yeah, they would jam out a lot and we actually had a different drummer who thought of the name Squid Nebula and then that drummer left and we got a new drummer and they asked me on board and we kept the name <laughs> and we we still pay tribute to Hannes every time this question comes up because we're like, well, maybe one day we'll just think about this like otherworldly story, <laughs> but we're like, no, every time we're just going to give a nod to um, yeah the, the other drummer. Yeah, I wish it's it's kind of nice now that because I feel like the name has really directed us into like a musical context. Mm. Um, I think we're very inspired by kind of the ethereal, like spacey, underwater tone and, and energy that that can be put into songwriting.
1: For sure, um, I think that's a great story, and it's nice to always touch on on people that have. Um, maybe not come and gone, but, like, people have pa- that have passed through our work creatively. Mm. Um, so I absolutely love that. Um, being being a local neo-soul and R&B artist, um, I guess, do you feel, talking about mentioning before about feeling supported and wanting create, to create safe spaces that support, you know, not only your fellow band members or fellow musicians and fellow artists but also the, you know, the audience and, and everyone else involved as well, do you feel that the larger – uh, the larger industry has welcomed and supported you as an artist?
0: Um, it's a really interesting question. I mean, there's a lot of layers to that. When I first started gigging or touring, I was yeah working with Squid Nebula. I was also working with Dreaming Now, which was a First Nations collective fronted by and led by a brother, um, Neil Morris. And that was kind of my first exposure in touring and kind of being under Neil's wing and And looking at how he navigated it all. And at that point, you know, he was, it was still at his point of demands. And there was a lot of change that needed to be like happening. And you know, we had to kind of create our own safe spaces within ourselves. And I think that's why it feels so vital that it kind of starts with us and then it'll It'll extend beyond. I mean, I look at now and there's beautiful, amazing programs like what the Uncle Archie Roach Foundation is doing, Seeing Our Futures. You know, I've seen quite a few through Music Victoria and there are a lot of, like, beautiful initiatives for emerging and particularly First Nations emerging artists that they're exposed to the industry in a support network rather than, you know, I came out independently and... um, being a first nations woman you're instantly thrown into a deep end of these questions that you never thought people would come at you with but um yeah there's kind of a, an expectation that you will talk about um your cultural significance as well or or how that affects your music and it's just another whole layer of safety that we have to consider um so yeah I mean, it's beautiful to be learning and it's beautiful to also now give back to these programs. Um, I was lucky enough to be a a mentor for an incredible young First Nations artist, Kanisha, this year. Um, And just to, yes, kind of see how far we've come. I speak often to Emily Wurumara about just the change and the shift. And, you know, she's been in the industry since she was an early teenager, so even just having those chats and looking at what a 10-year plan can actually do and <clears throat> how amazing it is that people are really building it from the ground up and expanding that and then putting in their demands and saying we need further support is, yeah, it's really amazing to, to see and be a part of.
1: Touch on we obviously see that you'd you'd got to, to be a part of the Big Sound, um, specifically the Yarning Strong panel. Um, you can you talk a little bit about that and that experience and how that ties in? To I suppose, I suppose that, that idea of you know, your culture and your background being part of you, a part of what you have to, you know, present and what you part of what you're presenting, as bumpy, I suppose.
0: Yeah, um, it was a beautiful panel. Yeah, it mm. was led by a support act, so Dobby, MC, First Nations rapper, producer. He, he was mm. the moderator, and then it had myself, another First Nations artist, sister Crystal West, and um, a First Nations artist and the support worker named Will. And we kind of just yarned about, yeah, well-being and support and health in the industry from a First Nations perspective and what does that mean and what does that look like um, from our lived experiences. And, yeah, it was really beautiful to just share between ourselves as well and and understand and be like, oh, my God, like, you've encountered this too. Like, it, it felt really special that these stories were being given a platform because I had never heard them before mm. or very often navigating the industry. So to now hear that they're starting to happen. And I think especially in a place like Big Sound where it can feel, you know, really large and fast and full on and, um overwhelming you know, yeah. overwhelming it was really mm. nice to have a space to slow down and actually talk about like health the well-being like it wasn't around a lot so it was yeah nice to be in a space and be like hey are you okay like you know what things are troubling you in this industry and let's talk about them together
1: is that something that you feel we can be doing more of as an industry as a whole um the idea of discussing talk about obviously um which is foundation and, and the work that they're doing with with young first nations artists but specifically going to like something like a yarning strong panel um other proposals you might have as to how the music industry to sort of amplify not just local r&b artists but maybe first nations artists as a whole as well
0: Yeah, I mean, giving the power to the people in in their communities and, Mm. you know, it's all about consultation and not going, oh, they need this. Here, here you go. Here it is. It's about going, what do you need? Let's talk about it and hand like handing it over and actively collaborating to ensure that the space is not only culturally safe, but it's self-determined and it's led by communities for communities and for their voices. So I think, you know, someone like incredible sister Candice Lorray, who is in the Mirindas, but she's leading a lot of these programs and, you know, does it off her own work ethic and off her own back. And I think to support voices like that in all our different communities will just lead to such amazing change and such amazing support, like to be able to see this one program kind of in its second year like, I would just imagine if that was branched out to be in so many other fields and so many other um, diverse communities.
1: It's, um, I think it's something that I'm growing more and more interested in as a uh, um, uh, First Nations um, person. Um, I think it's something that I really want to invest more time into, into understanding and learning about, especially uh, in terms of how you see the larger creative industry as a whole and the trends that come and go through you know, local neo-soul and R&B. Is there anything specifically that you find interesting or exciting at the moment that you're you're liking out in the world?
0: Um, that's a good question. I have to admit my social media presence oh. is quite shocking <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very limited into how much I um, access it or navigate it. It's very much like, hey, I've got a gig. <laughs> hey, this thing happened, which is nice that's because... it's
1: more, more than a lot of artists, let me tell yeah. you. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's tricky to kind of get wrapped up into that whole bubble, mm. but um, I especially love just seeing the range of artistry and, you know, I love hearing songs super produced and then being able to see an artist perform it solo. And I think particularly in like an R&B and soul world, that's just something that I'm always really loving in this space to mm. kind of hear the rawness of of these tracks.
1: Mm. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a sensas- sensational chat, and um, I think we've really unpacked a few different pot topics there. Close um, off here. Uh, we here at Soul Food we like to put an emphasis on um, not just food analogies but also um, the idea of the industry being something that that needs needs a bit more growth and needs a bit more time, and 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 you know looking into why that is the case and why it hasn't uh, developed perhaps like it has in other, in other parts of the world. So I guess the question I want to pose to you to close off here is do you think Nam has a taste for R&B?
0: Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, Nam's sound is so diverse and there's such beautiful pockets of a music community and I think, you know, institutions and places like community radio really help harness and foster those relationships with the musical genre as well. I definitely think, you know, there's a lot more space for soul and R&B and kind of musics that come from Black communities originally Mm. could be fostered further to help, like, raise voices of those who um, feel voiceless in an industry like this. If it's so wrapped up in a consumerist wheel of having to produce, having to release all the time, content, 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 where's the space to actually sit there and write and have the time to, you know, honour the way that the music is supposed to come out and honour the way that it's supposed to feel. So I think it's like, in my perspective, it's a broader, um, it's a, I guess the lens is a lot more <laughs> zoomed out and it kind of kind of has to start from this, it being so wrapped up in quick content and about, like, you know, I just want to kind of emphasise and say that, yeah, it's supposed to be felt and it's supposed to be heard and it comes from a place and I just wish we had more time and and more of the focus was around honouring that rather than bringing out a new single every <laughs> couple of months because that is stressful. <laughs>
1: I imagine it can be and
0: I guess, I guess <laughs>
1: speaking to that as well and obviously speaking to... Um, the social media presence um, mentioned earlier. Um, I want to give you the floor just as we close off here. Um, where can uh, listeners see your music, hear your music, feel your music? Um, talk a little bit about where they can find you, or all, all that sort of stuff. The floor is yours.
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, I guess you can find yeah my EP and earlier singles kind of on all the streaming sites and um, Instagram and Facebook. And as for shows. We'll be playing for Melbourne International Jazz Festival, um, New Year's Eve on the Hill, and my pipeline dream would come true. We'll be playing at Meredith this December as well.
1: Amazing, amazing, Bumpy! Thank you so much. Um, it's been a, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks.
0: Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Sin Media.